0: Our leader for tonight is Larry. Okay, my name is Larry. I am a compulsive overeater. Um, I have been in program for approximately 21 or 22 years. Um, What it was like, I was a fat kid. I was, uh, one of my earliest memories is being so happy because I figured out how to open up the refrigerator door and could get in there myself. And get what I liked, which at the time was canned milk, which now just sort of curdles me to think about drinking canned milk. But anyway, so at a very early age, I started identifying with food. Um, I was, uh, you know, in grammar school, I was in, graduated to the husky jeans and the husky clothes. When I was 10, one of my aunts uh, suggested I go on a diet, and she worked at a drugstore, so she brought me these crackers that you were supposed to eat before a meal and they would make you feel like you weren't going to eat a lot. I found out that they tasted really good if you put some butter on them and then I ate them and then had my meal too. Um, so by, you know, all through school, I was one of the chubby kids. I went to the chubby kids gym class and stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> when I was 13, I got my first job and of for a compulsive overeater, it was really great. It was in a restaurant. My aunt owned a restaurant. I grew up in Fresno. Many of you are familiar with the Central Valley. And so I, at 13, I started working in this restaurant. And my God, the restaurant had a refrigerator you could walk into. And uh, one of my jobs was to make the fountain drinks and make the fountain things. And so this gave me a ready supply of food. And all through, was the latter part of junior high and high school. I <clears throat> worked there and my weight was, was I weighed probably 230 to 240 pounds. Uh, I, when I got it towards, when I was a senior in high school, uh, I was the, the fourth of, the youngest of four children. I was sort of the, oh my God, we're having another baby, baby. My parents were older And so by the time I was in high school, they had decided my father had retired and they moved away and left me at home in the family house, which actually was was actually, for me, was a good thing. My brother and I talk about it and I refer to my parents as the Bickerson's, but anyway, so I was on my own and I was still working in the restaurant, but for, at that point, my weight started to go down and I went down to what really would be a normal weight. However, I never thought of myself as being normal weighted. I was always overweight. I was always the fat kid. And I look at pictures of myself when I was in college. And after a couple of years, I left Fresno, and went up to came up here to the Bay Area and finished my uh, college at the University of California in Berkeley. By that time, I really, I look back at those pictures, I was normal weight, but I never felt normal weight. And then I, you know, from then on, I was did a stint in the Peace Corps, then I was in the Army, and I got out and went to work teaching, and then I ended up working for the, for the state of California. At that point, food became, came back into my life in a way that I started putting on weight. But at the same time, because my story also involves abuse of alcohol, I'm one of those people that I originally came into o a through aA and so by the 1990s I'd moved to San Francisco and I was weighing in at that time around 400 pounds and I was on I, my career had I'd done well in my in my work world but what I did is I sat all day in my office and ate and as soon as work was over I was at the corner bar drinking came home passed out and did that routine on a regular basis. And one night in 1998, um, after getting drunk, it was right before Thanksgiving, and I remember that because I had two bags of groceries. And one of my friends from OA always says, when you tell your story, please include this part because they think it is really great. But that night I was drunk walking on the streets, decided I was gonna buy some drugs. Anyway, short story, I ended up at 850 Bryant for three or four hours until my roommate could come and ba- bail me out. However, I refused to leave 850 Bryant until they gave me back my two bags of groceries. I wasn't gonna go home without my groceries. So I went home and this was, like I said, was at Thanksgiving and by, in a couple of weeks I decided I had to do something about this and I checked into a po- into a program with Kaiser. And there are no coincidences The counselor I was assigned to at Kaiser was also in OA. And at our first meeting, she says, you know, I think, you know, in addition to your problem with alcohol, you probably have a problem with food. And Like I say, at the time, I weighed around 400 pounds. Uh, When I got to 390, I'd stopped weighing because I had no scale that would weigh higher than that. And I knew by the size of my clothes and everything that I had gone over that, that benchmark. So, on New Year's Eve, nineteen ninety-eight, I went to my first AA meeting. In January, I went to my first OA meeting. For the first few years of recovery, I was doing OA and AA at the same time. Um, I got a um, a sponsor in OA. I never had an AA sponsor, but I when I when I went into AA, I stopped drinking, and I never <coughs> went back. And then later on, I'd said, oh, I wish the food had been as easy as the alcohol was, but I have to remind myself that I tried to stop drinking two or three times before that for lengths of time. So it wasn't at all that easy, it just happened that at that time it, it took. And so I came into OA and within a year and a half, I'd lost like 140 pounds. And then my story is something of relapse and recovery, relapse and recovery, but one Saying that I was told and that I truly believed in all those years is that no matter what happens don't stop going to meetings and I've always continued going to meetings and I this time I've been abstinent for a year and what is this this is May five months last year my absence was I was kind of laughed. There's some place in the literature it says some food, food plan, no matter how uh, liberal or how um, flexible, is required. So, my food plan last year was relatively flexible. January, my sponsor introduced me to a new food plan, which I've been on since then. And it's something that I I'm comfortable with, that I feel like this is the way I can eat for the rest of my life. And it is. It has uh, taken a lot of the burden off of deciding what you could do and what you couldn't do. I've worked the steps two or three times. I've gone through um, a, a step, two different step study groups over a period of times. And the step study groups, if you can get a group of friends who want to go through a workshop period, we took the one of the OA workshop books and met every once a month, group of four or five of us. And it really is, is something that I would highly recommend. It's something good. It keeps you in contact with the steps. One of the things, that, especially for the newcomers, when, you know, when I first came into program, I had the misconception, well, I'll do, number, I'll do the first step. I did the first step, I got it done, I'm done with that. Let's go to the second step. And as time goes on, you realize, no, Every day you do the first step. Every day you do the second step. Every day, it's every day you have to remind yourself that I am powerless over food. That there is a power greater than myself that can restore me to sanity. It's not like going through and doing the steps and they give you a diploma and you graduate and you don't go back. The steps are something that are really, for me anyway, is something that I have to remind myself about and go over on a daily basis. And the steps are just, I, you know, I think they're, you know, they're, they're an in, inspired um, testament. And um, someone early on in the program said the steps really are suicide prevention and the traditions are murder prevention. Because by applying the steps, you, you really save yourself and by applying the traditions, you can save yourself from harming other people too. So, I've always um, felt that the, that uh, working both the steps and working with a sponsor um, is is paramount to, I mean, any success in the program. And you know, life is full of all kinds of ironies. Uh, I'm was my doctor last year said you need to have a knee replacement, and at that time one of the uh, the prods for me to watch my food plan a little closer was that he wanted me to lose some weight. So lo and behold, in January, I go to the doctor, and the doctor says, you're now at a weight when we can I can refer you to the surgeon and you can have your knee replacement. I had been taking physical therapy classes and stuff. And so in January, I took off, on a, actually the first part of February, I took off on a trip that I'd done every year to go to a dance festival. And one of the things about being in recovery that has been so wonderful is prior to recovery, when I was on that routine where I was eating all day and drinking until I passed out in the evening, my life was very small. It was the three blocks between me and the, and the bar and the bus to my office. And that was about it. Once I got in recovery, For the first time in 20 years, I was able to go on trips to do things. My life expanded. It uh, got back some of the things that I had not been able to do while I was so into my addictions. But now I've gone off on a tangent and I've lost my train of thought, which is, you know, the train leaves and I'm not on it. Um, What was I saying? Where was I going with this? And it's nice, one of the things I can say about Overeaters Anonymous, it's nice to see people here because I see people here who were here when I got here. And I'm not mentioning any names, but it's really wonderful to see you. Something about going into that first meeting and feeling welcome is uh, for the newcomers, it's really, really good. Also, when I start talking about it, I sometimes get very emotional and In my first blush of recovery, I remember at one of the meetings I went to, and I think it was an AA meeting, there was someone who shared almost every week and almost every week he cried. And I thought, oh, that's never gonna be me. I just, you know, I won't be doing that. Then I had a friend who was in this and every time she shared, I ended up getting my hanky out and crying. And I would kid her about the fact that she made me, made me weep. But part of it is, being able to be in touch with your feelings again and losing that numbness that the food or the addiction gives you that without the you know the gift of recovery, I wouldn't have been in touch with those with those feelings. And being able to say, Yes, I'm 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 crying and I feel emotional being able to show emotion was something that was that had been you know had, I had I had stuffed it down along with the food for so long that it was some one of the other gifts of recovery and gifts of the program. It's it really is a way to get back your life, um, and it's it's not for me. It wasn't a rig, you know. Like I, I came in and I lost 140 pounds, and over the years. My way to go down, my way to go up a little bit, but I never, I, you know, I never felt like I was going to leave the program because what I found here was so valuable, and it's so it had changed my life so much that I'd never wanted to give it up. And I'll say this: that every time I walk into a room and there's a meeting, the one thing, the one emotion, or the one thing I feel. That, that I did not feel before this program is hope. There is always hope to be found at a meeting. You find hope in other people, you can find hope in yourself. Um. It is, you know, and now, I like said, I'm, I'm sitting around, of course, and I, that's what I was gonna, do. I, the irony of it all. Of course, I get my way down to have the surgery, I go on my trip and I come home, and I'm home three days and they lock me in my apartment and I've been locked up in the lockdown since then, no elective surgery, so we're not doing any elective surgery now. Um, but one of the things that for me, um, you know, there's in program, there's always the idea of looking at, the, is the glass half full or is the glass half empty? And for me, there always seems to be some lesson to be learned, or some plus side, you know, I do not enjoy and have not enjoyed being basically locked in my apartment for a couple months. I go out and I'll walk around the block and that's with my mask on and that's about it. However, because of these Zoom meetings, I've been going to four and five meetings a week and I would love to be able to hug you. I would love to be in a room with you, but on the other hand, Sometimes, this, especially when you get to be an older person, and, you know that it's harder to get to those meetings in the evenings, or harder to get up and be at a meeting at seven a.m. And I love the seven a.m. meetings, but that was either two or three bus rides or a taxi—you know, a twenty-dollar taxi ride—to get there because I don't have a car and I don't drive anymore. Now I'm going to meetings all the time, and I really, really like them. And the other thing that is really is a plus for these meetings is we're meeting people from all over—not just California, but all over the world. I, one of the things, of my story is that when I got into uh, into recovery, I got very much into doing service and doing service positions, and I had the great good fortune of being a representative at the World Business Conference in Albuquerque one year. And I went with one of the people who was in this group. (laughs) And, uh, but the one wonderful thing about that experience is it made you realize how international, how universal this program is. There were people from literally all over the world. And now in these Zoom meetings, we're getting a little of that flavor. I mean, when someone says I'm from Mexico City or I'm from Scotland or I'm from some other part of the country, they're bringing something in that I think is really, really valuable and they're giving us a, a, a perspective of how universal and how uh, widespread is our, is, our, is our fellowship but also how widespread is our disease. And the camaraderie of being part of a worldwide uh, fellowship is, to me, is, is, is very important. Um, I had the opportunity at that particular conference and a chance to meet Roseanne, who was a, really a wonderful, wonderful person and a wonderful role model. And I love reading her story. We've been reading one of the meetings I've gone to. I don't remember which one now, but we've been reading Roseanne's story. And I identify that with be, with identify with it because her story was not a straight line. She didn't found over years anonymous and then become abstinent. She had a, it was a process that she went through years of work and years of uh, recovery before she got to the point where she where she was. And that certainly has been has been my story. And maybe that's one of the reasons I her story resonates with me. But now, you know, I have my food plan, which I can say is something I've been doing since January and it's working for me right now. And I'm working with the sponsees and I, one of my sponsees, I am saying, you know, part of the part of my, my philosophy is that we want to find a food plan that works for you, that you're comfortable with. You can try mine, but you need to find something that really, really works for you because our stories are varied. I mean, there's as many people are at this meeting. There's that many stories, and one size doesn't really fit all. There are certain things we can we can agree upon, but there's some things that are really, really individual. Um, one of the things I'd like to go back to is my experience with working the steps and how important that how important that is. The first time I really thoroughly worked the steps. I got to the fourth step, and it was not, you know, I said, oh, boy, I get to do this. Um, In my recovery, I've discovered a lot of things about myself, which some of them are not particularly admirable, but I found out that I tend to be somewhat of a perfectionist. Not that I've ever done anything perfect to the little person in my head that tells me all the mistakes I make, but I remember I got to the point where I was trying to do the fourth step and I was looking at this book, looking at that book, and there was a new pamphlet out. And finally some woman with lots of experience at one of the meetings I go to came up to me. She says, put that down, go home and just do the step. And you know it was, you know, it was like, but I don't want to do, you know, do it. You can try it, you can do it. You're gonna get a chance to do it many times. So you you can try it different ways. And the first time I did the fourth step, I went to the OA 12 and 12 and those gazillion questions. I, t- I was traveling with work at that time. And so I took a notebook and I said, I took a, an egg time and I said, I can write for 10 minutes in the morning when I get up. And I'd set the timer and I'd answer questions for 10 minutes. Or sometimes it went over and it took me months, but I got through all of those questions. I had a notebook that was filled both of page- both sides of the pages all the way through and then on a Saturday, a beautiful Saturday, went to the beach with my sponsor and read all of this to her. Um, we've had discussions since then. I think she fell asleep. I thought it was really riveting material. She said she only closed her eyes because she wanted to listen closely. Anyway, but the process of doing that in-depth four-step over time and then spending a couple hours reading that back was one of the most important milestones of my recovery. After that day, after that afternoon, although we did something that I would not recommend, we walked down on the beach and very dramatically tore up my notebook and burned it. It was just like, there goes all of this. Later on when I was going to do my list of who I owed amends to, it would have been very helpful to have that fourth step. So you can do a ceremonial or a, some kind of a burning, but I would suggest you hang on to it because it could come in helpful later. But anyway, after do, doing the fifth step and reading all of that, I went home and literally, for the first time in I don't know how long, laid down and took a nap and went to sleep. And it was a Saturday, and on Sunday I went to church. And it was like a whole different experience going to church after having done that fifth step. And it was, for me, it was it was just I think the turning point of my recovery, and I, I like I said, it still is clear to me today as it was the day it happened, and that has been maybe 15 years ago. One of the things that I will advise you is, as you get older, your sense of time kind sort of disappears, and I'll think something happened two weeks ago, and it was last year. Or I think something happened a year ago and it was a month ago. So this whole sense of time just gets kind of out of whack. But today, the first thing I did when I got up this morning, or after going to the bathroom, the second thing I did this morning, I set up, I might turn on my computer, and I write out what I'm gonna eat for for the day, and I send that off to my sponsor. Because then I decided that's what it is. And Literally sometimes by lunchtime I've gotta go back and say, what did I say I was gonna have for lunch? So I have to do that, but once that's done, it's done and I'm not worrying about what I'm gonna eat for the rest of the day. And another one of the advantages of this, okay, one of the advantages of this lockdown is I've been doing all my shopping online, which sometimes is disappointing because they're out of something. But on the other hand i am not walking up and down the aisles window shopping that the things i really don't need to see and might put in my cart because someone might come over i'm not going to eat it but someone might come over and i'd want to offer it to them i don't know if anyone's ever done that but anyway this being at home and doing my shopping at home has been helpful so um i think that is about where i am for this evening and i sorry if it was a little disjointed and I was all over the place but it's it's wonderful always to be at a meeting and like I say one of the seeing some of my friends that I've known for 20 years uh, is wonderful and uh, so thank you and thank you for asking Gail thank you for asking me to share.